The government is forcing change on the country's early childhood services. At almost the same time, the Welfare Working Group has recommended reforms that would prompt thousands of sole parents to seek more early childhood care. In this insight, Radio New Zealand's education correspondent John Gerritsen looks into the subsidy cuts for centres where more than 80% of teachers are registered and the fears the move could endanger services in poor communities. Children starting another day of early childhood education. It's noisy and sometimes a bit messy, but they enjoy it and research shows it's good for them. On every working day, this scene is echoed many thousands of times around the country. Last year, there were more than 200,000 enrolments in early childhood services, and 95% of the children who started school had been to some form of early childhood education first. So going to kindergarten, play centre, creche or an early childhood centre is very much the norm, and plans to make more parents on welfare benefits seek work are likely to reinforce that even further. My eldest who went through kindergarten, she is at Hill Street for about 30 hours a week, so we drop her off at sort of 8.30, pick her up at 3. Currently have three who are in kindergarten care at the moment. But it comes at a cost. In the last 10 years, the government's spending on early childhood education has more than trebled, from just over $400 million a year to more than $1.3 billion. During that period, the average number of hours of early childhood education has jumped from 14.3 per week to 20. But the proportion of children who participate before they start school has improved only a little, from 90% in 2000 to just shy of 95% last year. The Minister of Education, Anne Tolley, says that couldn't go on. In essence, we just paid a whole heap more money in and we didn't get better results for kids at the end of it. So first of all, we had to bring that funding increases under control and we're still increasing early childhood uh, and it will continue to increase because we do want to invest in early childhood services. So we're attempting to then release some funding to focus on those kids that were missing out. And we've got some parts of the country where we know that up to 25% of, say, Māori children or Pacifica children in particular are not accessing early childhood. So we've identified uh, almost 100 million of funding to really focus on five particular areas and we've been working on increasing participation, about another 3,500 places and another 3,500 kids. To make its savings, the government had several choices. The big driver of the increased spending is the 20 hours policy, which nearly doubles the amount of subsidy paid for children aged three or more. That policy's dramatically reduced early childhood fees for many parents, and it's so popular it's nearly untouchable. So the government targeted another factor that's been driving up costs, teacher qualifications. Anne Tolley explains. When I became Minister, the previous Labour government had set a target for 2010. So they started this lifting of the number of qualified teachers. It started in 2002, and 2010 was the target for 80% qualified teachers in teacher-led services. Now, we were nowhere near that, and it would have meant that about 1,000 services would have actually had to close. So I pushed that out to 2012. So that's what we're aiming for. Next year, 80% of teachers and teacher-led services are qualified. We're at 67%. We believe that we're on track uh, with the people that are in training now to reach that by next year. So 
Originally, there were incentives put in place for centres to employ more qualified teachers. So what I said was, well, if our goal is 80%, we don't need to incentivise people to go above that. The incentives the government axed were the two funding bans for services where more than 80% of teachers are qualified. Their removals affected nearly 2,000 early childhood services and the families that use them. The services have had to raise fees or cut costs. They've also found themselves in renewed debate over just how many early childhood teachers need to be qualified. And they warn the government's funding cuts could create a two-tier system. Services that try to maintain a fully qualified workforce are likely to raise their fees, forcing poor families out or into services with fewer qualified teachers. So how have the cuts affected services and what are they doing about it? The new rates are up to $1.60 lower per child per hour, but the chief executive of the Early Childhood Council, Peter Reynolds, says once the GST increase is included, the drop is more like $2. And he says about two-thirds of the council's 1,100 members have been affected. These are teacher-led services. Um, they're services that have worked very, very hard over recent years with the sector strategic plan to build up the proportion of qualified registered um, ECE teachers or early childhood teachers uh, working within their ranks and who have been singularly and very badly affected by the budget that was introduced last year. Now you talked about the, the dollar impact on services. That varies from the survey research we've done across our membership between ten, fifteen thousand dollars in one centre up to thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in another centre depending upon its size. Some of the corporate early childhood services that are running around the country have lost millions and did so overnight. That level of loss has struck not just the private sector but also parent cooperatives and all 630 kindergartens, a group that's long had a fully qualified workforce. There are 33 regional kindergarten associations and 29 belong to Kindergartens New Zealand. Its chief executive, Claire Wells, says the cut is a big blow. Collectively, the cuts represent about a 14% drop in government funding. And if you take the salary costs out of that funding, it's around about 50% of the operational costs have been lost. So that obviously represents a significant drop in funding for our members. So how have early childhood services reacted? Claire Wells believes that kindergartens don't have much room to move. The first uh, thing that most associations have done, of course, is to revise their budgets and to have a look at where they can trim their costs. One of the things that the associations have said, and certainly as a national organisation we've been saying very strongly, is that we are committed to the retention of a 100% qualified teaching workforce. We're committed to having good ratios in kindergarten, so you know, a good number of teachers uh, to children. And we're also committed to ensuring that whatever options we take to manage the shortfall in funding have the least negative effect on children and families. So with that in mind, associations haven't rushed to increase donations or fees, and if they have, it's been very minimal. Among privately owned centres and those that are parent cooperatives, there's a similar commitment to maintaining a high proportion of qualified teachers. But fee rises are apparently much more common. Maria Johnson owns three early childhood centres in Wellington, the little schools. We've had to put our fees up. Our fees have gone up $10 a day. So the parents have had to bear the cost of, of the funding cuts. So it has meant that we've reduced some numbers in our roles. It's meant that the waiting lists aren't as large as what they normally are. 
None of the parents who left little schools because of the fee rise would be interviewed for this programme. They said they were too embarrassed. But they're almost certainly not alone. The Early Childhood Council's Peter Reynolds says 95% of its members affected by the funding cut have chosen to raise their fees. It's a wee bit early for us to be very definite about um, exactly what fee increases are in place, but all of the, the evidence that we have to date points to fee increases that range in the main between $10 and $40 per week per child. Um, so it's particularly hard, hard for parents of, of more than one kitty going to, to early childhood. Um, there are some, some extreme examples of, of upwards of, of $80 increases, and I know that some other pundits have, have, um, have been quoted as saying that parents can expect an $80 increase, but I think, frankly, that that would be fairly rare. But there are real fears some people won't be able to afford fee increases. They might abandon early childhood education altogether, exacerbating the very problem the government's trying to tackle. We have 82 children on our roll from two and a half to five years. And we have full rolls every day. The parents enjoy bringing their children. June Dittmer is the head teacher at this Potirua kindergarten. The front gate's busy this morning, but June says cost has been a barrier to enrolment in the past. It's a, um, it's a busy kindergarten and it's well used now. When I first started here, uh, just over three years ago, it was only had a roll of 20. So we've gone from 20 to 82 in three years. And the barrier then was the voluntary contribution that parents used to make. And they couldn't afford to pay that, so therefore they never came. Since the 20 hours free came into the association, the parents don't feel embarrassed because they don't have to pay those fees anymore. What was the size of the voluntary contribution that was being asked for in the past? That was a dollar a session, so up to $5 a day. And, and that was still too much for, for parents to... For most of these parents, most of my parents are a single income. Dad's the worker and mum's a stay-at-home mum. So finding that extra money today, which is, could be anything between 15 and $20 a week if these current funding cuts go, is just going to be way out of everyone's pocket again. Janice Cottle has custody of her grandson and regularly brings him to Katoa. Well, I don't pay a donation, and that's one great thing at the moment. You know, my grandson gets quality childcare, and I can afford it because it's not costing me anything. Okay. Now, I mean, the government's funding cuts mean that uh, a lot of early childhood centres are going to have to increase their fees if they want to maintain a 100% qualified and registered workforce. Could you afford to pay a bit more? Unfortunately, no. I became redundant two years ago, and that has put a strain on my household income as it is. So, yeah, no, I wouldn't. So, therefore, I would have to withdraw Matthew. At Kindergartens New Zealand, Claire Wells says a significant number of kindergarten families would struggle to pay increased donations or fees. Around about a third of families attending kindergartens in the high income bracket, over a third are in the low income bracket. So we've got quite a big proportion of families who are very much in that, in, in that vulnerable area. And also when you look at where the tax cuts fell, a lot of the families who would be attending kindergartens wouldn't have actually stood to gain a huge amount from that. And then you've got the GST increases and all of those sorts of things. So, I mean, when we're thinking about how do we manage the shortfall in funding for kindergartens, we need to be cognisant of all of the funding pressures on families at any particular time and we're certainly conscious of that at the moment and we don't want to be in a position of having to sort of put to families, well it's a trade-off about you know, cost versus access to quality early childhood education. So that, that's the dilemma and I think, you know, and, and kindergarten's not the only service to be confronting that dilemma at the minute. Peter Reynolds of the Early Childhood Council agrees and says that could undermine the government's goals. The revenue cuts affect everybody right across the country. 
At the same time, the government is talking about wanting to encourage and support the growth of services and growth of participation in communities where that participation is historically low, whether those be lower socioeconomic communities or otherwise. Unfortunately, these budget policies impact on those services now just as much as they do in services that are not in those sorts of communities. So you've got people hurting right across the spectrum. And in those lower socioeconomic communities, the range of options that are available to a service to try and manage a significant impact on their revenue line are that much smaller. Uh, we have one service, for example, who's a member who almost all of their, their children come from, from solo parent families. These are people who are already on a domestic purposes benefit. So where do they find the extra dollars to pay the shortfall from the revenue cut to keep that service going? Those are the sorts of unintended impacts of the policy that we're most concerned with and very eager to work with the government to try and soften. We don't want services like that to close because that's completely counter to what the purpose of the policy is. And it could also undermine the plan to make people receiving the DPB seek work once their youngest child is three. But early childhood services do have another option. They can reduce the number of qualified teachers they employ. An untrained teacher costs at least $6,000 a year less than a newly qualified teacher. That choice, between increased fees or fewer qualified teachers, raises a critical question. Do early childhood services really need a fully qualified teaching workforce? Or is 80% enough? An Associate Professor of Education at the University of Waikato, Linda Mitchell, says there's no doubt that qualified teachers make a big difference. There's absolutely unequivocal evidence that the employment of qualified teachers is associated with better quality provision in early childhood education. And if you look internationally, there's a very big study in the United States called the National Institute of Child Health and Development Early Child Care Network Study. They followed children through. They found that centres where staff were qualified, the children had better cognitive outcomes later on in school life. And there's been a, a big study across 10 countries which also found teacher qualifications were associated with better language development for children in school years. And then again in the United Kingdom, the big effective provision of preschool and primary education study, that was 3,500 children. Similar conclusions there. They followed children into schooling and they found that Children who'd attended centres where the teachers were qualified were doing better at school than children where a large body of the teachers were not qualified. And there's New Zealand evidence for this too. The Council for Educational Research is an independent body specialising in research on education issues. It's examined the long-term impact of early childhood education in its longitudinal study, Competent Children. It's reported the benefits of good quality early childhood education are evident in 16-year-olds and is currently finishing a report on 20-year-olds. I asked one of the council's senior researchers, Cathy Wiley, what counts as quality. Good quality is that the kids are engaged in activities that really interest them and that develop them. It's um, staff who know how to choose those activities and then how to interact with the children around those activities. One simple measure is whether they ask open-ended questions rather than just simply asking what colour is that or you know, tell me the number. 
that's quite a simple sign that they're getting to know the kids as individuals, they're using that knowledge and they're engaging the kids so that the kids learn to interact with materials in a way that helps the learning. So it's not just about busyness and it's not just about you know having fun, it's actually about having activities that will develop your ability to use language, your ability to persist with things and to, to, you know, to know that not everything that is, is enjoyable is instant. Okay. Did teacher qualifications play any part in defining a good quality centre? When we did our research, we looked at teacher qualifications in relationship to quality, and we did see a relationship that the centres whose staff were all qualified with an early childhood education diploma tended to score at the highest levels on our measures of quality. But Cathy Wiley says there's no research on the proportion of qualified teachers needed to ensure a quality experience. The Early Childhood Council's Peter Reynolds says it's a hotly debated issue. This is quite a contentious area. There are, there are views around the sector on this. And when we tried to research our own membership, um, there were some very distinct views being expressed from, from different corners. The difference is a fundamental one if you believe in a teacher-led service. And those that subscribe to a teacher-led service will argue that having 100% qualified teachers leads to a much better quality of service and much better outcomes for uh, children attending that service. There are other groups within the sector that equally believe having a teacher-led service, but not necessarily at 100%, is capable of achieving the same level of outcomes. If you've got other staff that have training or experience in other fields that can make a good positive contribution and are working in an environment that is under the auspices, if you like, of a qualified registered ECE teacher, then you're achieving a similar result. I don't believe and I'm yet to find an argument that is convincing either one way or the other. The Ministry of Education, we ourselves and other organisations and tertiary institutions have done lots of research on the value that having qualified registered teachers have in the sector and that's very clear. Everybody around the planet agrees with it there is no research on proportionality. So there's nothing to say that 80% is better or worse than 100% is better or worse than 66 and a third percent. We don't have that answer. What is evident is that if you have teachers involved, qualified registered teachers involved in the provision of this service, it is much better for your children. And certainly we believe very strongly in that. But some early childhood educators support the government's change. Here's what one centre manager told parents in a newsletter. Over the whole of New Zealand, this has been a good move and one that will lead to increased quality and funding for a larger number of centres. These changes have freed up centres to choose quality staff who may not be qualified staff. And Anne Tolley certainly believes 80% is enough. There's no evidence that you need more than that. Actually, there's not a lot of evidence that you need 80%, but that was a figure that was already in place, so I sort of felt that I was keeping faith with the sector's plan itself. And I said to the Kindergarten Association, they can have a philosophical point of view and have 100% teachers. That's fine if their parents are prepared to pay for it. But the taxpayer cannot afford to put that amount of money in for something for which there's no evidence that we're going to get better results. Mrs Tolly adds that early childhood services like Play Centre and Mini Kohanga Reo get good results without qualified teachers. But Linda Mitchell says that's not a fair comparison. What we have in Play Centre is we have a body of parents who are committed to um, learning through the Play Centre courses. We have some of the Play Centre parents who've done high-level 
place centre courses, but all of the rest of them have also been training. They're working with much different ratios of adults to children and they have very strong links with their home environment, obviously, because these parents see themselves as the first teachers and so we're talking about a different type of service in play centre which has a different mix of qualified adults and different ratios, different groups, different connections with the families. Okay, so we couldn't compare that directly to, say, a teacher-led service where only 50% of the teachers were qualified then? No, I have done an evaluation where I've looked across the sector and I've also done research on quality and they're called parent Fano led services and play centre in Kohangareo. We have found in those studies that actually the mix of qualified adults also makes a difference there. So it's not just in the teacher-led services that it makes a difference. So too does the opportunity for mentoring and professional support, the environment, the, that kind of thing is so important there too. And she says for teacher-led services, 80% of teachers being qualified is not enough. Early childhood centres are not like schools. In schools you'll have a teacher, one teacher in a class and you might have a teacher aide but that teacher aide might be doing other things, might be um, doing admin work or working one-on-one with one individual child. In an early childhood centre all of the adults who are in that centre at the time with the children need to be absolutely alert to each and every child so that they can respond in that sort of meaningful way. I would say all of those adults who are out there interacting with children need to be qualified teachers if you want the best outcomes possible for children. But it's parents who'll be paying the price for a fully qualified teaching workforce. What do they think? Susie Muirhead has a nine-month-old at home and a two-year-old at an early childhood centre. She believes that even with 80% of teachers qualified, the centre would still provide a good service. Hill Street in particular the one that Samantha goes to has excellent processes and procedures and whether they're qualified teachers or not, the teachers have a standard of care that is expected at the centre and that's underpinned by the centre's policies. Uh, and so those policies sort of provide the, the protection or insurance that you know, even if someone isn't qualified, then, then what goes on there is going to be... Yeah, and as long standard. as you've got the majority of the teachers qualified, I really don't think there's a big difference in care between the qualified and the unqualified. Like, I mean, obviously they have teachers-only days and at Hill Street they have a curriculum and the qualified teachers will probably add more value in terms of ideas for the kids' learning and development into the curriculum, but then in terms of actually carrying out that curriculum. I'm sure the unqualified teachers do just as good a job as the qualified teachers. But parents doing the morning drop-off at Katoa Kindergarten disagreed. I mean, I'm choosing my child to be in a 100% qualified teacher environment because I want the best possible thing for Neve. Matthew is just miles ahead of what my kids were at the same age and it is due to having qualified teachers and great childcare. I mean, I'm a, a secondary trained teacher and I would have no idea how to manage a group of children like this and I, I wouldn't know how to cater to the separate education needs or, at all. So, no, I think it would be really disappointing to have less qualified teachers. The Child Care Association represents about a quarter of the country's early childhood services. 
Its chief executive, Nancy Bell, warns the choice of a partly or fully qualified teaching workforce will lead to inequitable results. Where you have a mix of qualified and unqualified, it tends to be the case that some children and often the youngest children in early childhood services are interacting more with unqualified teachers. So it's not quite as equitable. The other part of this is that the services that cannot afford to bridge the gap between government funding and the costs of employing teachers will have fewer qualified teachers. And what that means is that communities that have got more money to spend are more likely to have a higher quality of service than communities that have got less money. So our stance on 100% qualified is that it's more equitable. It means every child has access to a qualified teacher. The government's plan to push more sole parents into work earlier is likely to increase demand for early childhood education in poor communities. But Kindergarten New Zealand's Claire Wells says there's no guarantee those communities will have enough early childhood services. Anyone can set up a centre and if you meet the regulations you will be funded. So there's no rules or regulations about where centres can be set up um, or how many there should be in a particular area. Uh, there is no sort of requirement to manage the numbers of services in any one community. So the market model doesn't actually work in early childhood because no matter how much money has gone in, um, as the government is saying, it hasn't actually created those services in the very communities that services are needed. It will take some time for the impact of the cuts and the government plans for beneficiaries to filter through the early childhood sector. But some people worry that the government hasn't finished. It's charged a task force with coming up with new ideas to make the most of government funding for the sector. And with another government budget just round the corner, there are strong fears there'll be yet more cuts. But Anne Tolley says the sector needn't worry. I know that the task force and the questions that they're asking is making the sector a bit nervous, but I want to assure them that you know nothing that comes out of that task force c could be uh, put in place in time for the budget, because we've got to sign that off much, much earlier. And if we do make major changes, we would take them into the election. John Keyes, that's his brand. If you're going to you know, do something significant, then you, you really need to get a mandate to do it. So I anticipate that the task force will report, and then we'll probably have some consultation with the sector and try and get some areas of consensus. And there'll always be things that we won't agree on, but, you know, that's the nature of consultation. So I don't think people should be too wary of this year's budget. Right, so people are saying, oh, we might start means testing 20 hours. No, uh, yeah, no, no. No. Right. Despite that reassurance, it's clear the government is going to take a close look at the $1.4 billion it spends on early childhood education. It might not be next month or even this year, but it's clear there'll be further change and the odds are that it will affect funding. That insight was presented by Radio New Zealand's education correspondent, John Gerritsen. It was produced by Philip Tolley with technical production by Colette Jensen.